You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to My Victory Church. One of the benefits of being able to do online church is that we get to worship all together. All of our campuses come together online and experience like this. So welcome to everyone. I'd love to know. We are true live. I'd love to know where you are watching from. So please comment in the comment section below and let me know where you're watching from. And I would love to shout out and say hello to all of you. So I see, uh, what do we got? We got Faith. Hey, welcome Faith. Sarah there and Jen and... Jen's watching from Lethbridge and the front row. That's so awesome. And uh, Pastor Renee, good to see you. Uh, we've got Carson from Lethbridge, Michelle, Okotoks, Evans on there from the, from the living room. Pastor Tanisha's on there. A- uh, Angela's on there. Peter's on there. Anthony, Heather, good to see you from Coldale, Janice, and Faith. Uh, and man, it's so good to see all of you. And welcome to part two of of our series, Parenting in the 21st Century. So we are going to get right into part number two. And I want to start with a story uh, that happened, I think I was about, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. Um, I was eating dinner with my family and seated at the table. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I made some sarcastic, smart remark to my mother. And before I could blink, my dad cuffed me upside the back of the head and my face planted full on into a plate of spaghetti. Yes, I remember exactly what I was eating because uh, it's the first time I ever wore my food quite like that. Uh, I was so shocked. It was completely out of character for, <laughs> for my dad. I did not see that coming, but I got the message loud and clear. Don't disrespect mom, ever. I remember that as clear as being. In fact, growing up, there were two main, I would say two main rules in our home that were pretty obvious. um, And that being one of them, don't disrespect mom. But the first rule really was honor your mother. And what's um, fascinating about this rule is that there's, I don't know, there's some link toward honoring mom and it's a remarkable tie, and I, I would say I've, I've recognized this in through experience, through my own experience, through watching, uh, you know, other parents uh, parent. But I noticed that when we honor mom and we teach our children to honor mom, that the natural correlation is that they're going to honor everyone else as well. And I don't know why that is. I mean. Yes, honor dad, uh, and it's important to honor your father. We, we see that in the Bible, honor your father and your mother. But there's something, there's a direct correlation between honoring mom and the way that we treat one another. In fact, if you're uh, a single uh, girl out there and you're looking for the right guy, one of the ways to test and one of the ways to find a right guy is if a guy will respect his mom and honors his mom, he is going to respect you and others as well. If you find a guy that disrespects his mother or dishonors his mother, I don't care how well he's treating you right now, one day he is going to disrespect and dishonor you as well. There's some sort of I don't know, miraculous tie-in between honoring mom and honoring others. So one of the rules in our home was honor and respect your mother. The second rule 
was don't tell a lie. And there was lots of things that we got in trouble for, but this one was told over and over and over again to us. The don't tell a, a lie. Create, you know, we, we respect mom, we don't tell a lie. And the reason why lying is such a big deal, and this was such a big deal, is because lying breaks the relationship. You ever notice that? The don't tell a lie. Lying breaks relationship. It severs trust and therefore erodes relationship. Isn't this true? I mean, every other misdeed can be repaired much more easily in relationships than, than lying. And trust takes time. You notice this? Trust takes time to earn and it takes a moment to lose. And once it's lost, it's very, very difficult to regain. So again, in our home, there, you know, growing up, there were two main rules. Honor your mother, don't tell a lie. And, and I'll get back to those two in a moment. But as we go into part two of this series, I want to remind you that we're looking, you know, throughout the Bible, looking throughout the Bible in preparation for the series for biblical examples of a healthy relationship. And what's surprising, it surprised me at least, is that there really isn't a great example in the Bible of a healthy family. In fact, the first family in the Bible didn't go so well. Uh, when one brother killed, you know, the other brother. I mean, dysfunction immediately, human nature, dysfunction immediately. And as you go throughout the Bible, there's a lot of really strenuous, strange, dysfunctional families, which part of me is kind of encouraged by that and going, okay, well, dysfunction, it's just kind of pretty normal. Um, uh, but, but also discouraging because I was like, okay, where's our example? Well, Jesus was our example. He was perfect. And he gave us... Uh, instructions that applies to all areas of life but and we're in this series we're going to apply his instruction here and his command here to specifically parenting and he gave this instruction in John 13 to his disciples he said this a new command I give you love one another now the disciples that he was talking to were all Jewish men and so when he said the word new command they would have immediately tied in you know the ten commandments on top of that they grew up in the system with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in that time who added an additional, well, there was 613 commands, scholars say, at the time of Jesus. 613 commands that the Pharisees enforced and that the Israelites, you know, the religious leaders enforced in that time. So when, they, when Jesus says a new command, I wonder if his disciples were thinking, wait, 614, great, another one? But Jesus wasn't saying this to, to add a command. He was saying this to replace all of that. And he says, a new command replacing all 613, including the Ten Commandments, by the way, love one another. Well, that seems simple enough, doesn't it? Except he went on and he said this, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, what Jesus says, a new command, this is a new standard, a new standard, and that new standard was as I have loved you. Well, Jesus, John wrote this after Jesus' death and resurrection, remind, you know, remembering what Jesus had, had, how he had loved them in life, but specifically how Jesus had loved them in his death by sacrificing himself for him. He writes this later and says, this is a standard of love. He gave everything, everything for us. And the disciples carried this message of love one another very, very seriously. And in fact, in, in the first century church, the disciples still alive, you know, preaching, you know, Jesus, spreading the gospel of Jesus, even after he ascended into heaven, building that church. This was the main thing that they taught. But even after 
The disciples themselves were killed and, and died for, for the faith. Even after that, this message was carried on within the early church. And in fact, Paul uh, later writes and gives us basically breaks down what a standard of Jesus' love, what it looks like more practically. And he gave this incredible message to the church in Corinth. And he basically says, he says, this is how we can love like Jesus loved. And we started last week in, in with three words in, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. And I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible, take it out right now, follow along. If you have, you know, if you don't have a Bible, you know, on your phone or, or on a device or something, follow along in this and, and take notes on this because this is something that is not just for us parents, but is for all of us and how we treat one another and how we as the church are supposed to follow Jesus' one command, love one another. This is a standard for all of us. Okay, and Paul said this in breaking down how we love like Jesus. He said this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. He says, love is patient. We only got three words in last week because he starts with this very irritating word, patient. And I say irritating because there is nothing natural in me that wants to be patient. Anybody else? I mean, this one, I like he starts with this one. This one is the hardest for me. I was like, oh my goodness. Love is patient. But last week we learned to define patience as, well, patience means to move at someone else's pace, right? So patient, I think that was Sarah that said that, that was, that was very brilliant. I should have thought of that myself. That was patient. I, I love that. We move at someone else's pace. Well, as parents, we need to move, and love is patient, we need to move at our child's pace, not push them too far, not pull them, you know, along with us, but move at their pace, which is easier said than done. But this is part of love, moving at someone else's pace. Now, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Let's move on to the next definition of love. Paul breaks it down and he says this, continuing on in verse in verse 4, he says, love is kind. Now, kind seems like, okay, well, that's natural. That's more natural. That's, that's something that, okay, I can do that. You know, patience, that's a little bit more work. But kindness, but wait a second. I want to give you a definition of kindness that might give us an understanding. Because we know, naturally, don't we? Uh, we know watching people and observing human nature, we know when someone, you know, watching someone else, we know when someone else is kind, or we know when someone else is specifically unkind. It's easier to identify, isn't it, in somebody else, kindness and unkindness, especially if it's aimed at us. But at the same time, isn't it true that, that it's easier to observe in others, but not as easy to observe or to declare in us and, and intentionally be kind or know when we are unkind? It, it, you, know, necess, you know, necessarily we can't catch ourselves until afterwards going, well, that wasn't the kindest thing. But in the moment, it's not easy to do that. So let me break down a definition of what kindness is that will help us specifically catch ourselves in the moment and help us act out in kindness to our children, but also to everyone else. This is the definition. Kindness is loaning someone your strength. Okay? Kindness is loaning someone your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. Right? So parents, loan your strength 
to your children. And let the world remind them of their weakness. Because let's just be honest. Um, the world is unkind many times. You know, they go to school and school can be unkind sometimes. You watch children treat one another unkind. They remind and point out others' weaknesses. And the world has a great way, of, doesn't it, of pointing out all of our weaknesses, telling us where we fall short, where we aren't good enough in our job, in our athletics, in our looks, in whatever it might be. We have, it's easy, it doesn't have to look too far to find someone who's going to remind us of our Weakness. So let not it, you know, it be us as parents that are exploiting or reminding or bringing up our children's weakness. Because let's just face it, all of us have weaknesses, but children have weaknesses. I, I love uh, the definition of a child by Pastor Leon Fontaine. He said this, that a child is basically a mismanager. So that if you, definition of a child is they just don't know how to manage their own emotions. Isn't, isn't that right, parents? So we have to teach them, train them how to manage their emotions. They don't know how to manage their own hygiene. So we have to train them and teach them repeatedly. Right, patients moving. Anyway, um, about how you know, to take care of themselves, their hygiene. They don't know how to manage their own health. They don't know how to manage their own finances. So our role as parents is to train them how to manage life, how to manage emotion, how to manage all of these things. And when they learn how to manage, they can take care of themselves and they begin to adult. Well, the, a mismanager has a lot of weaknesses, exposed weaknesses. And our job as parents in training our children is not to bring up or, or expose their weaknesses. Our job is to cover their weaknesses, teach them at, with patience at their pace, and, and train them in these areas and not remind them of their weaknesses, expose their weaknesses, but loan our strength to them until they're strong enough on their own to do that. So my question for you is this, love is kind, is what's your go-to response to your child's weaknesses? What's your go-to response? Do we, do we expose it? Do we call it out? Or do we loan our strength to them? Now, kindness, does, let's just be honest, now, now that with that definition, kindness is a little bit more work, isn't it? On, on our behalf, it's a little bit more work. When I was a kid, uh, I loved uh, hockey and I played competitive hockey and, and I was always in the leagues that I played in, always one of the smaller uh, players in that league. So I made up with that. I know this might be surprising to, to many of you, but I did not like being pushed around or bullied or, or it didn't. So what I would do is I was, I was chippy. I was in your face. I was a very aggressive hockey player because I did not like being pushed around. So because I was so chippy and I, I'm saying chippy and, and all the rest of it because I wouldn't want to say that I was a dirty player. Just a little. I, I spend a lot of time in, in the penalty box. That was, that was part, of my, part of my thing. Well, my parents would, would come and watch me uh, play hockey oftentimes. And, you know, there, there were the parents that were really loud. I had one friend whose mom, he'd just sit on the bench and he'd just shake his head because his mom was constantly chirping, constantly going. Well, my parents weren't, weren't that. They, you know, every once in a while I'd hear my dad cheer, but my mom typically sat quiet and, and, and all of that. Um, but at the end of this one game in which I was extra chippy, not dirty at all, but I spent a lot of time in the penalty box that game. 
And I came out, and my parents didn't look happy as I came out of the dressing room, and I walked towards them, like, oh man, I'm going to get it when I, you know, get in the car, and they're going to, you know, give it to me and all the rest of it. And they just kind of looked at me, and my dad put his hand on my, my shoulder, and my mom marched off, kind of this angry walk. And I was like, oh man, she's really upset. Well, she marched right off, and, and what I didn't notice is behind me, the ref who was refing that game had just come out of his dressing room, and I turned around and looked, and here's my mom marching right up to the ref, and just, you know, she was five, three, five, four. And she was, her finger was just going and her head shaking. And I don't know what she said, but I know that she was giving that ref a piece of her mind. And I looked at my dad and he just shrugged his shoulders and all the rest of it. And I, I don't, I don't, I didn't know how to define what I felt in that moment, but I was, I felt, I felt really good as a child because my mom could have exposed my weakness. I deserved a lot of what that ref gave me that, that game. Uh, let's be honest. But in that moment, I felt like, man, I've never seen her stick up for me like that. And I was like, it just kind of did something in me. And what she did is she loaned me her strength and covered my weakness in that moment. That is kindness. Well, let's move uh, along to what Paul also said love is kind, but then he says this. He says, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Now, for these three, I kind of put them into the similar category because we can sum up these three in simply, by simply saying that love allows the other person to shine. Okay, love allows the other person to shine. Or another way is love fully celebrates okay because let's let's be honest there's times where you know as parents um we are naturally selfish as human beings and sometimes as parents and it's amazing we get into routines we get busy we get caught up in things we we become selfish in our moments and we forget we miss fully celebrating our children and we miss you know, letting them shine. You know, sometimes we're so busy, wrapped up in our own worlds, our own careers, our own timelines, all the rest of it. We, we lack the patience in, in that and leads to this. We don't allow our children to shine or to, we don't allow them to fully celebrate. And when I was thinking about this, the reason why I put all that together with this one is one of the reasons is, is because as human beings, this is naturally our selfishness comes out and we begin to envy. How does a parent envy their child? Well, a lot of times, you know, we can look at our children's success and even begin to envy life as a child or life, you know, the success that they're having that we didn't have, the opportunities that they have as children that we didn't have. And all of a sudden we just become naturally envy of this and not celebrating them, their accomplishments, because there's a little bit of that twinge of envy in, in us. Well, I never got that. I never got that opportunity. And uh, it becomes about us, and we don't let them fully shine. And when that envy is in there, we don't fully celebrate, right? Or love does not boast. A lot of times we celebrate our own accomplishments. We become pride in our own accomplishments. We become, it becomes about us, you know, and we begin to boast more about our accomplishments, our celebration. We want them to celebrate us rather than celebrating them. Well, love fully celebrates. Love fully allows them to shine. And if you don't, here's a realization of this, if you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to let others feel good about themselves. If you're struggling with your own selfishness, your own insecurity, your own, your own um, 
envy, your own pride, all the rest of it. It's very hard to love, fully love someone else when that is eating you up. Isn't this true? Well, this next sentence, and Paul goes on, in this next sentence, I think Paul sums up everything that we've covered so far, last week and this week. Last week, patience, right? Running at someone else's pace, kindness, loaning strength, you know, fully celebrating, not, you know, putting, preferring them. He sums up everything we've learned so far in this one sentence. He says, love does not dishonor others. Okay, love does not dishonor others. Being unkind, you know, envy, boasting, pride are all forms of dishonor. Because honor, let's define honor now, honor is deferring to others. So as, as parents in, in authority, and we live in, some of us grew up in, in a culture where, you know, honor your authorities, honor your father and mother, honor all, the, all you know, honor, you know, Wives, honor your, your husbands. Honor, like, we l learn from honor is one way, is a one-way street. It's basically honor up. But the Bible teaches something different. Love, he says, does not dishonor others. This is not just dishonoring our authorities, kids dishonoring parents. He says, honor one another in Ephesians. He says here that love does not dishonor even down. So honor up, honor down, honor all around. This is part of, this is deferring to others. So parents, honor your children. Not just expect honor from them, but honor, give honor to them. That means deferring to your children. Well, they don't deserve that. They're supposed to defer to me. No, no, listen. Love honors. Paul defined honor in Romans 12 10, a little bit further, he says, be devoted to one another in love. Again, he's giving us uh, traction, giving us specific details on how to love like Jesus did. This is this, how Jesus loved is all throughout the early church, all throughout the gospels. This was an important conversation for the early church and early Christians. This was what set them apart was this kind of love. And he says, be devoted to one another in love like Jesus loved, honor one another, not just honor up, honor one another above yourselves. So honor is placing another person above yourself. It's, it's deferring to them, elevating them. Now, when it comes to parenting, this is, this is what's key. Honor is superior to obedience. Honor is superior to obedience. What do I mean by that? I mean, obedience is the lowest common denominator. So Jesus comes along, and then when Jesus says, you know, a new command I give you, a replacement command, love one another, basically love one another replaces all 613 commands because you can obey all 613 commands and still not have the same power. It's still inferior to honoring or to loving one another. Right? So parents, we can give a whole bunch of rules and regulations to our, our children, and they can obey us, but that's not necessarily love. Where they can honor us, we can honor them, and we can honor, that is superior to obedience. Because let's, let's, let's be honest. When you tell your child, you know, this is, what, this is the rules, and this is the curfew, and this is the, this is the thing, Every one of us in human nature, what did you do when you got all the rules when you were a kid? 
um, if you're like me, I, I began to immediately calculate what's the least I can do without suffering consequence. Isn't that, isn't that obedience? I mean, that's, that's, what, that's the rules. What's the least I can do without suffering consequence? That's the lowest denominator. Where honor doesn't think what's the least I can do. Honor thinks I'm going to prefer, I'm going to defer, and I'm going to elevate their needs, their wants, their desires, their relationship above everything else. So honor is better. It's superior to obedience. Honor allows me to run at their pace because I'm preferring patience. Honor allows me to loan my strength to them, kindness. Honor doesn't envy, doesn't boast, is not proud. Honor elevates and fully celebrates because I am preferring, I'm deferring my strength, my celebration to, to them. I'm putting them first. So here's today's takeaway. Honor is superior to obedience. Honor is superior to obedience. Now, in mind, next week, we're going to talk about this a little bit further, obedience and honor and, and all of that. We're going to talk about discipline because one of the biggest questions we get as, as pastors and as parents and all the rest of it is, you know, where's the line? What's too much discipline? What's too little discipline? Because if you too much discipline, you're actually pushing your children away. If too little discipline, you're letting them run the show. What's the balance? Well, next week we're going to dive into this a lot deeper and it's going to be very, very helpful because Paul gives us insight in all of this and the rest of the passage. So don't miss that. Hope this was helpful for all of you. This week, my challenge to all of you is last week we evaluated our own patience running at the pace. And did you catch yourself being impatient? I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's going to happen. And a, little, a little tweak inside going, oh, I'm being impatient. I'm not, I need to run at their pace. It's so good to be able to have this definition. This week, I want, to catch, want you to catch yourself in opportunities to loan strength and to be kind. And I want you to, and to honor and to prefer and to do that. And man, we become a whole lot better, not just as parents, but as human beings loving like Jesus loved to set the example for us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word and how relevant it is thousands of years later, still human nature. And, and God, I, I, I pray that you'd help us to be patient, to be kind, to be honoring. Lord, I, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here, that you would in, in us and that you'd bring to our attention the opportunities for us to know what to do, to be patient, to be kind, to be honoring, and give us the, the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to be able to do it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're watching today and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus was the best example of love. Uh, he said, love as I have loved you. And he loves you with patience. He runs at your pace. He doesn't force you to do anything. He's kind. He loans you his strength. So when you're out of strength, you, I can't take anymore. I can't do anymore. That's where a relationship with Jesus is. So, I have no idea how people do life without Jesus. But because Jesus is the expert, he loans us our, his strength. Jesus honors. He doesn't just ask us to honor him. He honors and respects us too. And 
That's where it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. And I want to give you an opportunity to begin a relationship with him. It's not joining a church. It's not joining a religion. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's really about beginning personal relationship with him. And all you need to do is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead. So I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, I want you to pray this prayer with me. We're going to confess with our mouth that Jesus is God. And if you pray this for the first time and believe it, right here, right now, you can begin relationship with him. So let's pray this together. Everyone repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my God, my Lord and my Savior, and my friend. I thank you for accepting me just as I am. I thank you for your patience with me and your kindness and for forgiving me of all my wrongs. I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We'd love to celebrate with you. Uh, we would love to send you a Bible, our free gift to you. Explains what this relationship's all about. All we need is for you to click like on the comment in the message section below. And, and you do that, our team will reach out to you. And we would love to send you a Bible. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.